Hey everybody and welcome back to another new episode of Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101, episode number 44. Wow, I have enjoyed this journey so far and I hope you have too because I am still excited every single week to speak to youth experts no matter where they are no matter what they're doing as long as they're encouraging and empowering youth and young adults today i want to learn from them and i hope you're learning as well so this week i speak with kimon hines who is a creativity consultant and uh, a life coach who has the Ideas to Life podcast. He is actually one of the inspirations for what made me start podcasting. So I wanted to speak with him because not only is he a great mentor, but he's also has this great program where he is encouraging and empowering teenagers by teaching them how to become entrepreneurs. So let's get mentored by this great leader. All right, everyone, welcome to Youth Ministry and Mentorship 101. I have got a great, awesome person on the podcast today, Brother Kimon Hines, who is uh, a coach with uh, a podcast of his own as well. So it is great to have you on, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. Thank you for having me on. Really love what you're doing. Glad to be able to talk with you and your listeners today. Awesome, awesome. So let's just start off by, if you could give us a short bio and what you're doing right now. Sure, so um, as Eric said, we're, right now I currently work as a creativity consultant where I help individuals and organizations to bring their ideas to life. So that's what I do. And um, to give you a little bit of my background, I studied undergrad business, but felt God calling me to work as a pastor. So I went off to school, got trained for that, and came out and led my first congregation in um, Missouri. And then was called from there to lead the, the conference that I was in, which was Central States. So it's in the Midwest, six states, um, over 40 churches in youth ministry. And we did that for seven years. And those were some of the most exciting times of my life, getting to work with young people, getting to learn from them, as well as I think they learned from me as well. I trained great youth leaders and uh, work with producing resources uh, for youth and families. So we did that for seven years and then made a shift. You know, um, you'll, as you can hear, my life takes some shifts. Made a shift to pastor um, a church in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, while starting another congregation in the area called Journey Fellowship. So I had um, the Overton Park, and we started the Journey Fellowship Church. And we worked in that area for six years, six rewarding years. I say that uh, being in Memphis gave my family and I some grit and grind, so it developed our character. And then felt called by God to make another shift to minister to people in the marketplace as a coach and a consultant. So here we are. Awesome, awesome. Uh, going back into you being a youth director, as uh, people know who listen to this podcast, I interview a lot of youth directors and get a lot of insight from them. So I just wanted to ask you, um, uh, from your experience as a youth director, what did you really enjoy 
about that experience, uh, especially since you did it for quite some time, seven years, yeah. Yeah, wow. So being a youth director, I think what I enjoy the most were the opportunities to have um, smaller times working with, with youth. Um, you know, as a youth director, I'll just tell you, you spend a lot of your time actually working with the people who work with the youth. So you work with your um, Pathfinder leaders, your AYS leaders or youth leaders, the adult leaders. But what I really valued were things like summer camp. And in summer camp, not only did I have campers, but I had counselors. So these were older youth, um, teenagers who were going off to college or going through college. And we had a time of just training with them, development, working together, helping to work some things out um, in the terms of the challenges that they faced and we all faced in running a camp. And I think because I got to work with young people, the, the, the campers, but more particularly the staff, that was the time of youth ministry that I loved the most, that I got a chance to um, rub shoulders with these young people, learn from them, and, you know, and just in keeping with your show, actually to, to spend time mentoring these youth leaders. So that was really um, a part that I loved. And then we created something called Impact Generation, which was a one-week mission trip and a program to develop teen leaders, took them on a mission trip to a place within our conference that we didn't have a church. We roughed it a little bit. And just spending time with those teens um, day to day, um, going through um, being in uncomfortable situations, those were the times that I enjoyed the most in youth ministry. Awesome, awesome. And going into that um, and seeing how you enjoyed, you know, empowering the the leaders who work with the youth and getting to meet youth, these are stuff that we always hear. Uh, may I ask also, what was challenging? about being a youth director? What was the hard wow. part of the job? Um, you know, being a youth director, I think what was challenging is our church has traditionally, through my time growing up and even to today, had a problem with retaining and engaging their youth. Um, teens seem to go through a stage of fire um, and then they go through a cooling down and a disengagement. And when I became youth director, we were facing similar challenge that many churches are facing today where youth were disengaging from church as we know it. And so being youth director, one of the temptations is people would almost put this pressure on you to be the, south, the savior. Like you're going to come in and you're going to produce all of these creative programs. You're going to pass it around to all the churches and the young people are going to love it and they're going to just come back to the Lord. Wow. And what, was, what, what, what is challenging about that? One is we don't have enough resources to program at a level that is going to be a show that will get young people to show up every week. Mm. So that's, that's the first one. You don't have resources to do that. But secondly, I think we almost have the wrong perspective that we think that if we simply do bigger, better, grander, brighter programs, that that's going to engage our youth. And so the pressure of being the person that not only a local church is looking to, but a conference is looking to, to, to stem a problem that's been an age-old problem, that was probably one of the biggest challenges of being a youth director. Wow. 
<laughs> and uh, just responding to that, that's very interesting because the, 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 if they're looking to you for big programs, not only is that a pressure to deliver when you do have your events, but the other thing is, like you said, it, it, that doesn't really give that result. It, it, will give, it will give you, you will get attendance, but it won't give you retention. Absolutely. Yeah, we find in our statistics that retention is not caused by amazing, wonderful programs. It's by the church and its members engaging and empowering youth. So if they're not leaving that program back and going back to their local church and talking to their youth, having conversations and actually using them and empowering them to leaders, it's not going to work anyway. Absolutely. And you're so right, Eric, that... um, Conferences, unions, even our world church, you know, we just had Oshkosh. We can have wonderful big events. I'm not against them. My challenge is that when our young people go to our churches, um, those things aren't one. We can't replicate those all the time in our local church. And just running our kids from events to events will not engage them in growing as disciples and owning what it means to be the church. Wow. 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 And that actually segues to, I didn't um, ha- plan to ask this question, but you saying that we are the church, uh, that I remember you wrote a, a book about that. Right. Um, could you elaborate sure. on that? Sure. You know, Eric, one of my burdens, and it's something I realized as a youth director, um, so many times we, when we use the word church, our word associations in our mind. Those things matter. So when we say church, many times we mean the building, the building that we go into, that we ascribe a certain level of holiness to, um, and that we think our actions change when we get there. So don't do this stuff because you're in church. Um, And then we also think about church as an event. So how was church? Church was good, you know, music was good. And we say that, you know, we wanna have good church. But what is missing from both of those definitions, which incidentally aren't biblical, what's missing is our own personal responsibility to live as the church. So for us, many of us, church is something I, somewhere I go and I sit and something I watch, and then I can determine if I like it or not based on if it's meeting my needs. But if it's who I am, if it's my identity, it changes my responsibility. It changes what church looks like. And so that's my burden. The, the name of the book is This is Church, Where You Fit In. And it's really a, um, a biblical call to rediscover what the church is, um, what it was intended by God to be. And, you know, by the end of it, my belief is people will realize that I am the church. Like mm-hmm. the church is the body of believers. It's you and I together living in community. And so... I no longer ask, what can the church do for me? My question is, what can I do as the church? Wow, wow. I, I, I just find that so interesting and powerful. It coincides with what a lot of powerful authors have been writing, especially in youth ministry. Uh, I, I look at the book Growing Young, mm-hmm. and of course your book as well. They all have that sort of message of reminding the people to remember that what attracts people to the church is not 
how beautiful the church building is, mm-hmm. how wonderful the music services, great programs. These are great and we should, you know, continue to have them. But what really attracts young people to the church is loving, warm relationships absolutely, where absolutely. they know they, they will be empowered and used as leaders and mentored. And right. when they have that, they, they'll be attracted to the church just as people were just attracted to Jesus. Jesus didn't have, you know, money to throw around uh, a, a huge budget, you know, famous people around him. It's just his love and how he would go to people and heal them. And that's how he, he gathered people to him. Absolutely. So we should Absolutely. do the same. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. So um, thank you for that. Um, and it, it, that book is a powerful book. So I suggest anybody listening should go out and read it. Yes. Um, yeah, please. I'm, I'd love to hear your feedback when you read it, people. Yeah. The other thing that you also do is not only um, you've written a book. Uh... Hey, everybody, we'll get back to the interview in just a second. I just want to remind everybody that June 25th to July 4th, during the general conference session, In Indianapolis, Indiana, there will be a great, awesome program for young adults called Impact. And you can register right now because the early bird registration will be ending December 1st. All you have to do is go to youth.adventist.org backslash impact. That's youth.adventist.org backslash impact and register now so that you can go to this event and learn from great leaders to really boost your youth ministry when you head back to your home church and community so i hope to see you there and let's make an impact together um, and you're uh, a coach uh, with ideas to life you also have a podcast but the other thing that you've done that i was very interested about is you are starting up this kind of course uh, for teens to become entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, so I was wondering if you could just tell us about sure. that. Sure. So just to get a little bit more of my, my back, I'm married and I have three teenagers in my home at this time. Like my son is 16. I have two daughters, 15 and 13. So this is a very exciting time of life for me. Like this, these are the, my kids are now the age of the young people I was working with as a youth director. And um, in the summer, I would always do summer camp, right, as a youth director. And in a couple summers ago, I did what I call a summer camp for my own teens, right? So everyone had to do something. And that summer, our camp was based on content creation. So all of my kids started blogs and they had to keep it up. Well, this summer, I said, you know what, I'm going to do a camp for teens. And you mentioned podcasting. Um, I've coached people on starting podcasts. So I was going to do a a camp on how a teen can start your podcast. And we have what we call like a family meeting once a month to talk about businesses and stuff. So one of my daughters, actually my 13-year-old, who was 12 at the time, said, she said, "Ah, no no teen wants to learn how to start a podcast. She's like, Dad, Mm. that's not going to work. But she said, if you do a camp on how to start a business for teens, she said, people would be interested and I'd do it. I said, you sure? Now, here's my benefit at this stage, Eric. I don't have to guess what teenagers want. I have three. Mm. I have three people that can tell me this works or this doesn't work. So I asked and they, all three of them said, 
yeah, do the camp on entrepreneurship, how to start a business rather than the camp on podcast. And they were like, that, that, that one won't fly. So yeah. that's what we did. We put it out there and we got, you know, I put it out even before I had all of the material together just to see if there was interest. Cause I had three voices, but I wanted to see if other people would buy it. and the response was overwhelming. People were hitting me up. I want to get my child in. I want to do it. And so we pull it off this summer and we, we had about maybe nine or 10 teens sign up, which was a good number and um, went through the program. And it was so interesting to hear their ideas of mm. business, things they wanted to try. And I'll say this, I think it's so important to encourage them at this stage of life to pursue those ideas because this is the time when they have great energy, excitement, ideas, but they don't have a lot of responsibility. Mm. So trying those new ideas does not come with a lot of risk. You don't have to worry about paying rent. You don't have to worry about paying bills at your home or contributing that much. So once business starts, if things don't work out, no one's really depending on them. So they can go for it. And so it was good launching that, um, doing that experience, seeing the kids that week learn, grow, share, and seeing from it, businesses get started. Wow. Awesome. It's something that I think is really beneficial, but I tend to sometimes put myself in the shoes of detractors and mm -hmm. um, because when I was growing up and being a teenager, especially in the Afro-Caribbean community, mm -hmm. I was told a lot, you know, focus on school, focus on mm -hmm. school, focus mm -hmm. on school. Um, that's what's going to help you have a future career and everything like that. So don't worry about all these other stuff. So what would you say to a parent that gave that kind of um, objection? Sure. Um, and, and listen, uh, you mentioned Afro-Caribbean background. That's me. You know, I grew up with that education, books, books, books. That's the way out. And there's truth to that. Like education is a way forward. Um, but I think education comes in various forms. There is um, structured school education. There's reading outside. And there is practicing different skills and developing um, yourself and your talents and your abilities. That's a part of the education process. I mean, I would even argue putting our kids in things like pathfinders, that's part of education because they're learning life skills. And so starting a business, just even looking at my own children, they are learning sales. They're learning how to talk with people. They're learning how to do research on stuff. They are learning how to market and how to manage money. And there's some things you can learn in a book through education that you can learn it so much better and um, retain it better. Maybe that's the way I want to say it. retain it better yeah. if you're applying it in a real world situation. So for those who are pro-education, that's me. I'm with you. All I'm saying is this gives an opportunity for real world application of education. And lastly, um, knowing just the challenges with student loans for people face today, starting their own businesses actually gives your own, your children an opportunity to have options when they come out of school, maybe even be able to pay for college by running their own business. So I think the opportunities are there for this to be um, a partner with that focus on education. 
I, I I definitely know that when you say something like, oh, able to pay for college, that's going to yeah, you know, yeah. perk their ears <laughs> up and they'll be like, oh, man, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. And really nice. And it's one of the themes of this podcast really is uh, there's there's many forms of education, like you said. And also there's certain people that they, they have styles of learning that really mm -hmm. for me, myself, mentorship is what really sets me on fire when it comes to education that's yeah. what i learn from it's when i see someone do it yeah and then i'm being coached while seeing someone do it that's when i can really do i i feel like if i see somebody do something for a year and i'm coached while doing, i could do anything yeah so yeah. and i think that's what your course is kind of doing and uh, i think we should be open to those kinds of things because letting our young people and teenagers have those experiences can broaden their horizons. Uh, Absolutely. As Einstein said, uh, if you test, uh, I forget the quote, but it's basically if you test a fish by how smart it is, by if it can climb a tree, yeah. you think it's an idiot. Yeah, but yeah. that's that that the fishes may not be an idiot. It's just not meant to climb trees. So absolutely, and um, you know, and you said you said it right. There are people who have different learning styles, and some people are hands-on learners. And so, if we keep saying, "Oh, they're not getting it because they're not getting it from reading or just sitting listening to lectures," we're not being fair to them. But they may thrive if you give them an opportunity to do something like what we talked about in my course, starting de developing your idea and taking action. And I bet you they'll understand math a lot better when they have to figure out their money, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So going along that, you also are a big time podcaster. Okay. Uh, you uh, are one of the inspirations for why I started my podcast. So what could you let me just get a little free advice from you right now. Uh, and for those who maybe wanted to start a podcast or use uh, uh, digital means to reach people, sure. what advice would you give? Sure. Them? So first of all, man, thank you. you. You said this to me when we were, um, before we started, and you really encouraged me by saying that. Um, starting a podcast is just, um, and, you know, putting out content. There's so many benefits that you get from it. You have a chance um, to do like what Eric and I are doing. You get a chance to talk and to make connections with people who you want to learn from. So imagine that there's someone in your field um, that you would love to get um, coaching or advice or ask questions. If you pick up the phone or email them, they may not give you 30 minutes of your time. But if you say, I have a podcast, people are much more open to say, I'll come on and be a part of your podcast. So podcasting does have its benefits um, and it, it positions you as an expert. What I would advise people is uh, figure out just the core of what you want your podcast to be about. What's, what's my podcast message? What's the message I want people to get? Figure out who you want that message to get to. So like, for instance, Eric is on mentorship. And I'm guessing it's for people who are youth leaders. So once you have those two, I say get started, right? Don't, um, you know, you need, you know, some, some mics. And um, if you're doing video stuff, you need a camera. But I think so many times 
we are obsessed with making the perfect podcast or the perfect vlog that we never make any. Mm-hmm. But I'll say, once you've answered those two questions, what's my core message? Who is it for? Get a, a little bit of equipment, which isn't expensive, and get started. Start recording. Because the first episode you release, the first video you shoot, uh, the first piece of content you write isn't your best, but it's your most important because it gets you going. And so that's my advice. Get started and, and keep going because you'll sharpen things as you keep going. Wow. So true. <laughs> my first episode is horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And I don't mind saying that because it's much better now. And right. that's because I wasn't afraid to start. And I that's think right. once you just get started, your opportunities and avenues open up, you get better at it. And yeah. you'll next thing you know, you're talking to great leaders like Kimon Hines on your <laughs> podcast. So yeah, look, and or, or you get opportunities to be on great podcasts like Eric um spot Eric's podcast. So get, go ahead and get started. Well, I'm getting complimented by Kimo Hines. I'm 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 over the moon right now. But um yeah it's uh it, that it's a great advice. Thank you for that. Um, and I have to say thank you once again for being on this podcast. As I usually do at the end of this podcast, I give it over to the guest to give some words of encouragement, advice to anyone who is hearing the call to ministry, whether it be to use podcasting, to be a youth minister, um, to start up coaching business, how, uh, give us some advice and some um, words of encouragement for those sure. who are hearing that call. Sure. You know, I, I'm so glad you gave me this opportunity. I know whoever's listening to this, one thing I can guarantee you as you listen to this is you are called by God. You have a call from God on your life to serve someone. Now, many times we think that call is for people who are only in certain careers or certain professions but God has put something on your heart um, to share and he's given you um, someone that you're passionate about sharing that with and what I encourage you is not to allow the comparison of what someone else's call might be what someone else is doing to stop you from stepping forward and doing what God has called you to do because the person who God has called you to is depending on you to step into um, that lane that God has called you to fill. And so um, if it's for youth, step up and serve them and serve them the way God has called you to. No matter if you're an upfront or behind the scenes person, answer their call. No matter if it's um, through professional ministry or if it is in another role, another job, step up and pursue that call because someone is waiting on you. And more than that, God's power is already there waiting on you to, to get to that space. And when you do, you'll see God's power in your life like you've never seen it before.